We believe intentionality exists. We are two millennial moms who are the first to admit our imperfections. We are linking arms, opening the conversation about our struggles to find balance. What if there is more to simplicity than just minimalism or the number of items in your cabinet? What if the measuring stick goes beyond the surface of materialism? What if simplicity is found deep within intentionality? Narrowing your focus to what really matters. Pursuing the right things, fleeing the dangerous things, to delight in the finest of things. In a generation saturated with instant gratification, screens, and distracted relationships, Simplicity Beckons. Here on Simplicity Beckons, we believe that each step we take to simplify, we allow ourselves to intentionally focus on what's most important, creating a more fulfilled and better life. And sometimes as we pursue this, it brings up some heavier topics that we believe it's important to kind of dive into. But we also want to put out a little advance notice that today we're going to be talking about the subject of miscarriage. We both have some experience with this topic in our own personal lives. Do you want to just share a little bit about what this has looked like for you and your family? So a little bit about our background. When we first decided that it, you know, it just felt right to have kids and we had been married kind of long enough that it was like one day we just woke up and we were like, you know what? I think like the timing is now. God's calling us to have kids. Let's start trying to have a baby. We honestly like thought about it and then voila, I was pregnant. (laughs) Like I was so naive just to everything with pregnancy and, you know, fertility and people trying to get pregnant and it just happened. And it was like, my pregnancy was super easy as, I mean, as easy as pregnancy can be, (laughs) but you know, it's just very straightforward. Delivery was straightforward. There was nothing like crazy or totally unexpected. We had a few hiccups, but for the most part, like things were really simple with our first child. And so we, I can distinctly remember one time, like after the fact, after we had had Graham, my husband and I sitting down and I think it was someone else we had known announced they have a miscarriage or, you know, they were struggling to have a child. And we literally to each other said, man, I'm just so glad that's not a part of our story. Like yeah. we're just like fertile people and we just think about having babies and we do. And like, we really honestly felt like, whew, that's like a thing God spared us from and that's not going to be our issues because having Graham was easy and that's just who we are. Um, Everyone in his family has like a lot of children. (laughs) and It's just been like this almost expected thing that if you Mm -hmm. are in this family, pregnancy is easy. So I was naive. I will say that. And I think the first miscarriage we experienced, I was really blindsided. And so that was near the beginning of 2019. Um, and honestly, it was a, it was fast. Like it was like, we found out we were pregnant and then very quickly after I was miscarrying, but it really hit me hard um, because I was so blindsided and because everything with our first child was so easy, like that, this just wasn't supposed to happen to me. Like this does not happen to me. And here it was happening to me. And honestly, we didn't talk about it. It was like something we shared between the two of us, but 
no one, like family, no one knew we had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to the doctor. We didn't do anything, honestly, because we didn't know what you were supposed to do. And it just felt like, oh, this is uncomfortable and this isn't who we were supposed to be. And now all of a sudden this happened and it was hard. And so um, I finally did go to the doctor way after the fact. We finally started to tell people really close to us, but it was very few people. And because I hadn't gone to the doctor right away, I did have some issues that followed. And so it kind of just opened up a whole slew of issues. Um, I can't say for certain they were related to the miscarriage, but it was like once that miscarriage happened, nothing was easy anymore. So that was about a year of just like struggling, struggling through ultrasounds and tests. And I mean, doctors sitting down and saying, your body is just not acting how it needs to be acting, but I can't tell you anything more than that. You're just like a medical unknown. And that was just like, finally something of like, okay, we're just a medical unknown, like can't get pregnant, don't know what's happening. So then fast forward, I got pregnant after the first miscarriage. We were excited you know, I was very hesitant. There's something about being pregnant after miscarriage that is hard, you know, like all this fear arises and you just, it's like every day you're like, oh, is it going to happen? But once again, I think I was really naive and I was like, oh, I had my one, like one and done. That's my only miscarriage. I'm going to be good. Like this is going to be great. We're going to have a baby. And I made it twice as long as I made it with our first miscarriage. And then it was like something just clicked. Like we had seen the heartbeat. We were going to appointments, but like deep down, it just fell off. And I honestly, I just think God was preparing me and, you know, mm-hmm. it could be like mother's intuition, but somehow I just knew that something wasn't right. Even the second go round. Um, so I had a second miscarriage at the beginning of 2020. So this was this past February and it was hard But it also, because we had gone through it a year before, felt in a way like I was a little bit better prepared. (laughs) I like Mm -hmm. knew to go to the doctor, like some of those basic things that no one had really talked about or shared with me. And I felt like I couldn't ask anyone. We were way more open the second time around. We had the support. Um, It was hard because we were way further along and just, you know, things had progressed and we were so excited about this. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not something you can say miscarriage is ever easy, but it felt like it didn't hit me as like being as blindsided because we had gone through it before. Um, which is interesting because I think my husband would say the opposite. Like the Mm -hmm. second one was really hard for him because we were so much further along and we were so excited and it just felt way more real to him the second time than our first miscarriage. So that's kind of how we've experience miscarriage in our family. And it's been just like this really trying and growing time and just like God constantly reminding us to have dependence on him mm-hmm. and that he's in control. And like, if it might be easy one time, like that doesn't mean it's going to be easy every time and that he has a bigger plan for this, whether we know it or not. Um, mm-hmm. And that is way easy to say, and it can be way hard to live out. Mm-hmm. So it just depends the day, you know, of how I'm feeling about it and how it's kind of impacted us. So that's a little bit about our kind of background with it. Mm -hmm. I know your background 
you've also walked through miscarriage, but it's been kind of a different route than we did. So, yes. So I got married in September of 2012, and I ended up miscarrying pretty early on in December of 2012. So we got pregnant just very shortly after we got married. And during that time, I was already walking through sort of a season of loss. Now that I look back on it, I was newly married and my life was, my new life was starting and beginning and, you know, we were building our new family, but I was in a sense kind of losing my old family because I had actually always lived at home. Um, I was very rooted in my home and my family and my friends and the life that I had. And I literally got married, picked up and moved states away to a totally different kind of cultural feeling felt like totally out of place and like I had sort of lost my identity and was sort of trying to figure out who I was and where I fit in. So I was already kind of walking through this season of adjustment. And then we found out we were pregnant and it was much sooner than we would have planned it to be. To have kids has been like one of the biggest dreams that I've had for myself. You know, I've always wanted to be a mother. So when we found out we were pregnant, we were ready and we were excited. And no one in my immediate family had ever had a miscarriage that I knew of. My mom had four healthy pregnancies. Uh, her mom had healthy pregnancies. My dad's mom had healthy pregnancies, at least as far as I know. It was something that I had heard about, but it was not a reality to me. So when all of a sudden something was obviously going wrong, I think shock is definitely the feeling that we had because there's something that happens when you find out you're pregnant. Hmm. Even though nothing on the outside changes, you are inwardly invested. You're a mom. You're in this for the rest of your life. You know, you make plans. I mean, it's all, you can see it. It's there. And then when it's suddenly taken away, I feel like it's just this not tangible loss. Like mm -hmm. nothing outwardly changes. If you have an early miscarriage, you don't have a nursery waiting. You don't have baby clothes. You don't have any of those things. Um, you don't even have like maternity clothes that you have to like pack away, you know, but there's, there's this loss and it's very undefinable. At least it felt that way for me. Um, and so we actually had not told anyone that we were pregnant because we were going to wait until Christmas and we were going to have it be a surprise for Christmas. So the first that anybody heard about it in our immediate family circle even was that I had miscarried, which I cannot even imagine that, that shock for them, which I think just added to sort of the very weighty feeling and like this almost weird feeling like you've let people down. Mm -hmm. It's right. very... It's very hard to, it's just, it's hard to grasp. And when you're already in a place where you're hurting, as you kind of let people into your story, what were some things that people did that were helpful as you walked through um, the season of mourning and processing? That's a great question. Because I think before I had walked through this, miscarriage just felt uncomfortable. <laughs> you, you know, like I had friends that had walked through it. And as an outsider, it was like, oh my gosh, how do I even mourn with you? What do I say? Like, it's just so easy to get 
nervous and without meaning it to, it's easy to turn it about you instead of them just because you're like trying to like help them like, oh, what do I do? Like, how am I here for you? And then once you walk through it, it's like you view it totally differently than that. So what helped honestly was just people being willing to let me open up and to listen and listen without just sharing their experience or having the knowledge right away, but to truly listen. And like you said, instead of feeling like I was a burden on them or letting them down, more of knowing that, you know, I'm sorry and I'm here with you. Because it is, I mean, you're walking through grief, whether you realize it at the time or not, you've lost this thing. And you know, everyone has different levels of grief that they have experienced in their lifetime. So it's almost like a maturity level of grief, I feel like, of what you've walked through and how you can handle. And I think sometimes when you have gone through things, it makes it easier to acknowledge the loss and the uneasiness. So I know it did help me because my husband has gone through a lot of grief and his lifetime and just losing his mother and other people in his family, um, it felt like in a way I had been able to see him grieve the loss of his mother. And in turn, it almost helped me know that it was okay to have these hard feelings and it was okay to talk about them and to cry about them and to let them hit me at weird times of the day. You know, like there would be times where I'm like, oh my gosh, this happened however long ago and still weird things might bring it up again. Mm -hmm. So knowing that people were just there and willing to listen and they're praying. And even if they're not saying the right things of just being reminded of, you know, I'm praying for you and just checking in here and there really meant a lot. I had a friend who she's a nurse, a charge nurse in the ER in a hospital in Atlanta. So, and she's done it for like a dozen or so years. She's seen like the hard, real, like true Atlanta trauma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she was one of the best people to open up and talk to about it because I felt like I wasn't scaring her, you know, like I could be raw and real and she could take it and she could listen to it. And the first thing she said was, you know what we do at our hospital is when someone is going through a miscarriage, we actually have special elephant pins that we give all of our patients that are walking through miscarriage. And of course, right away, I kind of started, you know, like tuning her out, like, why are we talking about elephants? Like, it's really weird. I'm like (laughs) sobbing and we're talking about elephants. And she's like, no, like the reason we do this is because elephants, when they lose a baby and they have a miscarriage, all of the other elephants will circle around them and lay down and literally they don't do anything until the mother that has gone through the loss stands up and starts to proceed. And she said, you know what, we're going to do the same for you. Like you have to mourn and grieve this. However, you have to mourn and grieve this. And so we're going to be here to support you and to like circle you and be here with you. Um, And then once you are like ready to, you know, move on and like get up, then we will move on and get up with you. But we're going to sit in this hard season with you, however long as you need us to sit here. And that just really like gave me a visual and put it in perspective of like, okay, it's, I'm not burdening someone, you know, like I can be raw and real. And I have these people in my life that love me and want 
to be there for me during that hard season. I love that. And it's interesting that that is your response to something that was helpful to you because I too feel like so often, like you said, we burden ourselves with Mm -hmm. knowing what to say, knowing how to make them feel better and knowing how to fix it. And that is not what it's about. We are not supposed to make people feel better because loss has to be experienced and felt and loss needs to be honored. Someone's grieving process needs to be honored. And I don't think that there's a perfect recipe of words to say or encouragement to give. Um, I think sometimes literally just sitting in silence, giving your presence, giving your attention is the absolute best thing that you can do. And then I also feel like just meeting basic needs, like cook a meal, drop it off, give a big old hug. If they want you to stay, stay. If you get the feeling that it's probably not a great time, get out of there. But, you know, meeting a basic need, like people need to eat, but when you're in an emotionally distressed and and drained place, even the energy that it takes to come up with what we're going to eat for dinner is just almost too much. So meeting like very obvious physical needs is sometimes great. I personally love flowers. They speak to me, (laughs) you know, because it's just, they're beautiful and they just symbolize caring and like hopefulness. And um, my husband actually bought me flowers and we like to joke because he's not really one for like overly romantic gestures. And I think that's actually the only time that he's ever bought me flowers, which (laughs) I don't mean that to sound like, you know, shame on him. It's actually was a good thing because it just really, it's, it spoke to me because I think he knew that in that moment, that was something that really, it really spoke volumes because here I am dealing with this both physically, mentally, emotionally, he's also having to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were both so like deer in the headlights, naive, Mm -hmm. like not even knowing what's happening. Um, Those were some really, some really helpful things. I love that you brought that up because I think one thing that I didn't even realize until walking through a miscarriage is you forget the physical aspect. Like you are physically miscarrying a child and it can be very hard and painful and there it, it is a lot to go through. Yeah. And I think sometimes it can be easy to be wrapped up in the emotional side of it and like, oh, I need to be here for them emotionally. But just the physical aspect of here's a meal. Like let yeah. me watch your child. Like let me take them so you can just have an hour to take a nap and like catch your breath and breathe for a little bit. I think that's so huge. Yeah. What do you feel like didn't help? Or did you have any like situations or things that came up that looking back, it just felt like it maybe wasn't that beneficial as you were walking through that time? Once again, it kind of comes down for me to what people, what people say. I can tend to, even if someone says something and it, it really is kind of insensitive, I can really kind of put my mind in their place and see that, see their heart behind it and that they're not trying to be insensitive, that they're trying to be helpful. But one thing that really was not a healing, helpful thing was when people would say things like, um, 
at least it happened early. Mm -hmm. At least you weren't further along. Because in my mind, that sort of diminishes the viability of the loss. Right. It makes it seem like it's something that I could just kind of sweep under the rug and I shouldn't really be that worked up over because at least it was early. At least it wasn't further along because I believe a baby is a baby at any size or stage. A life is a life. So I don't think that there should ever be an at least um, in situations like that. And I really feel like people should not feel silly for being torn up about a loss at seven weeks, you know, before you've even heard the heartbeat or, or whatever. I think a loss is a loss. And if we're walking through loss with someone, we need to take intentional steps to make them feel like their pain is legitimate and that they should be allowed to take as much time as they need to process it. Whether there's something tangible that you can hold in your hands or whether it's, um, it's something that's happened very, very early and there's not a lot of visible change. One thing I found along with what you're saying of, well, at least it was, you know, early or those types of phrases is on the flip side, people then would want to compare it to, it was almost like they wanted to one up you like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well you had a loss at this many weeks. I had one, you know, further along, or I had more than you or right. And then it just goes back to the same thing as it feels like it's diminishing the loss and how you're feeling. And it's like, you quickly are like, Oh my goodness, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Like she had it way worse than I did. But like a loss is a loss, however that looks, um, whether it's a miscarriage or just losing anyone, you know, like grief is grief. And I know back to being able to walk through and kind of see my husband walk through the stages of grief. One thing that I've been able to see is that sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's not. So like there might be one Mother's Day that's really easy for him. And then the next Mother's Day might be really hard and it's like a whole new wave of grief of missing his mom. And I feel like the same happens with miscarriage. Like some days felt like I could get through the day fine. And then some days it felt really hard. And so I think it was hard for me because I think I quickly felt forgotten about. It was like people heard the news and they were so sorry. And then that was kind of it. Like, and that's, you know, people are busy and it's not something you need to dwell on all the time. But I think it also kind of diminished of like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't be like sad still. It's been a week or two weeks or a month or, you know, like I need to move past this as quick as I can. And I can't speak about it because I don't want someone to like, think I'm just like continually like repeating or I'm like a broken record trying to like bring this up over and over and over it almost feels like there's this very, very loud, awkward silence that sort of falls on the situation where people don't want to bring it up because they're afraid that they're going to upset you. You don't want to bring it up because you don't want to be a bummer, you know, right. like you don't want to bring like a negative feeling to it. So yes, I, I can very much remember feeling that way. Like, and it's hard because you feel that way. And there were, I mean, 
I had these losses. And then on the flip side, the same exact time I had people close in my family having babies or getting pregnant or, and it's like this fine balance of you want to be able to walk through the grief, but still rejoice in the new life. But how do you link arms and do both of those at once? And it's just, it can be uncomfortable. So uncomfortable for, for both people, because the people that are, that are rejoicing and rightfully so don't want to feel like they are inadvertently like rubbing it in your face, even though they would never do that. It's just awkward. There's just a bunch of awkward, you know, like people trying to work around each other and trying to be sensitive, but then not being sensitive at all. Right. It's, it's very, it's a very tricky, tricky thing to navigate. And I think where simplicity and intentionality kind of plays into this subject is I think oftentimes the answer is pretty simple and it's pretty intentional. Like show up for people, meet simple, basic, physical needs, and then you don't have to figure out the right thing to say. You just need to be there. And I think for the ones walking through the grief, to remember to think the best of others. People yeah. are trying. They're going to say the wrong things. Yes. They're going to forget. They're going to post a thousand baby bump pictures and they're just excited and they're forgetting that other people are walking through this struggle right. and to just think the best of other people. And it's not a personal attack, you know? Right. It's so right. easy to take it. And when you're like emotional, that. it is easy to take it as that. It can kind of sure. feel that way. Yeah. So how do you feel like losses like reframed your views of pregnancy or seeing maybe other people walk through loss or go through different struggles? How has that changed after you had, especially for you, because you had the miscarriage first thing. It wasn't like you had a baby at home to love on and snuggle on. You just, the first interaction with pregnancy was a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. So yes, I, I miscarried my first baby in December And then we ended up getting pregnant again that following April, and that was with my son. And like you touched on earlier, pregnancy after loss is extremely scary, especially if you've already dealt with anxiety issues. Um, I think it just heightens all of that, the fear and, you know, when can you take that deep breath that everything's going to work out? You know, when can you exhale and just relax? Like, I really, really struggled with that throughout that entire pregnancy, just that fear of loss. Um, So that was a very present thing for me. On the flip side of that, I think experiencing loss has put me into a perspective of not taking any of it for granted. I have very, very difficult pregnancies. I am very sick from like six, seven weeks until about 20 weeks, like Mm -hmm. very like morning sickness, all the time sickness, can't eat. It's like I have the stomach flu for three months or whatever. So it's pregnancies are intense for me. And then on top of that, both of my pregnancies with my daughters, I had a condition early on called subchorionic hemorrhage, which is um, basically an issue where the baby has a hard time um, implanting on the side of your uterus. And Mm. it led to all sorts of scary things that happened. And I ended up having to be on bed rest for both pregnancies and um, just very, very scary and intense seasons for me. But even at that, when you have experienced a loss, it's very hard 
to grumble. And I'm mm. not going to say, you can ask my husband, there are definitely times where he heard all about it. But I definitely felt very convicted to not use my public platforms as a place to express my, my struggles with that because I know for a fact that someone's eyes are going to fall on that post that would give their right. right arm to be experiencing what I'm experiencing right now. Um, right. So I think it just, it opened up to me the fact that there is loss out there. There are people that are hurting, that I really need to be careful with, with what I say and with what I'm projecting. So for me, it has, loss has reframed how I share my pregnancies and just put me into a place of like gratefulness and thankfulness, mm-hmm. even in the, in the, you know, in the midst of, you know, really, really hard things that I have to go through. Um, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that I'm pregnant and that, you know, each day is like awesome. And also just, I think at first I was very scared to share about my pregnancies with people close to me because I didn't want to disappoint them if it didn't end up working out. But I've sort of come to a place where it's a life. It's a life that needs to be celebrated and prayed for from practically the moment that, you know, we know that it's coming to not approach a new pregnancy from a place of fear um, Mm -hmm. or a place of like trying to keep it a secret because I believe life should be celebrated and appreciated at every single stage. How have your losses reframed your view on these things? Yeah. So I think you've, you've definitely touched on, um, just the intentionality of understanding, you know, that other people are walking through this story currently, whether I know it or not. I think one thing I just recently, as I've been opening up more about our miscarriages and sharing more, um, I've been shocked with the number of people that have reached out to me and have said, you know what, me too. Like I went through a miscarriage and no one knows about it. Or I'm going through one now and I don't know what to do. Can I ask you questions? Mm. Or, wow, I, I had no idea this happened to you. Can you tell me more? And it's, it's like we feel like we have to all go through this like unspoken season. It's like we can't talk about it. And yet there's so many women walking through it. Mm-hmm. And I think now that I have walked through it, it has really opened my eyes to being sensitive to others, but also to be intentional about celebrating life when it is there to celebrate, but also being able to be like, wow, I'm so sorry. Like, I want to hear your story. Like, I want to be there for you. Let's talk about it. Let's go through it together. Um, I still remember with the second loss when we were at the doctor's office waiting for the ultrasound to confirm what we had known, you know, that we had miscarried the baby and there's no longer a heartbeat our tech at the time was really great. And, you know, and she clicked off everything. I had kept my composure the whole time. And then I just lost it. (laughs) Like she Mm. turned off the screen and I just couldn't like hold it in anymore. Like Mm. I had put all this pressure of, you know, you've gone through this once you should be able to get through this again. Like it's going to be okay. And she looked at me and of course gave me a big hug and just said, you know, I see this every day, but women are scared to talk about it because I think they're scared to open up and acknowledge that they have to grieve through this season. And so instead of talking about it, we just ignore it, shove it down and move on from it all. And hearing that was like, whoa, like 
that's exactly what I did the first go round. Like we didn't talk about it at all. And I didn't want, I was like almost embarrassed by it, which is terrible looking back on, but just knowing that this is like an unspoken season that so many people have gone through and just intentionally being there for people, whether that means listening, showing up, but just being able to form relationships where people feel like they can share this hard season with you. Mm. That's so good. So I actually had a conversation that really helped me and looking back on it, it's interesting because this man that I was talking to was very outspokenly not a Christian. He was very like, you knew pretty quickly after knowing him that he was not a Christian and didn't want to have anything to do with that. So looking back on it, it's very interesting how God can place people in our lives that can speak to us, even though, you know, they're not looking at it from a faith perspective, but that is absolutely what I got out of what he said to me. But I was working as a um, cashier at a, at like a local small town pharmacy. And he was um, one of the pharmacists that worked there. And, you know, because I worked there, they all knew that I had, you know, had a miscarriage because, you know, I was out of work for, I think it was actually only a couple of days. But anyway, he came up to me and he said, he said, you know, when a woman miscarries, it's the body's way of preventing suffering on either the part of the mother, the baby, or both. And he was like looking straight into my eyes when he said it. It was something that, you know, he thought I might find helpful. And it really did present a lot of healing for me because I believe that, and this is my perspective, and I don't want to speak this into anybody else's story, but for me personally, someone was spared suffering, whether it was me or my baby. I feel like God was I just felt God saying, like, trust me, I've got this. And 2020 hindsight, looking back, I got pregnant with my son, Cannon, when I would have been pregnant with that first baby. So had I had that baby, I would not have had Cannon. And I'm so glad that I have him. And I know that that was not (laughs) obviously a decision that I was ever supposed to make, you know, I think God gave me both of them. And that from an eternal perspective, like I will know that baby, God's got that baby with him. So I get to have both and it's not here on earth and it's not necessarily in the way that I would have wanted, but um, I have just experienced a lot of redemption and a lot of peace from that particular perspective. Yeah. One thing that I keep coming back to is, you know, God is God in every season. So whether it's the rejoicing or the mourning, he's still God and he still has a perfect plan in that. And it can feel so cliche to hear and say when you're walking through it. But I mean, that's what it comes down to is just relying and depending on him and trusting that, you know what, this is part of my story for a reason. Mm -hmm. And now that it has been, you know, some time I'm seeing that I'm seeing how I'm able to share about it and to have these great conversations. And I wouldn't wish this on anyone But walking through it, I now can be there for others that are walking through it as well. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like God was present with you in your your time of mourning? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it looks different, you know, as you're going through the different stages. Um, but there was just a peace knowing that there's a reason and a purpose and he's bigger than maybe what I know today and what I'm feeling today and what I'm walking through today. There's some bigger plan in place mm-hmm. and just trusting that, you know what, this, this could be my story. We could be adopting or we could be, you know, going through treatments and that's great. That's where God has me. And that is the plan he has for my life and just trusting him in that. Yeah. There is one thing I saw recently that I'm excited to get my hands on. I think it comes out in September, but it is a um, new book by Abby Wedgworth called Held. And she wrote it. It's 31 biblical reflections on God's comfort and care and the sorrow of miscarriage. And mm. I guess she's walking through Psalm 139. And I, from what I understand, it's you can read through it. And then it also has questions and ways to kind of process through Um, So I'm excited to get that resource once it comes available, because I do think it would be nice to have something tangible to be able to give other people as they're walking Mm. through it to help them process through. Because walking through our first miscarriage, I did not know what I was doing, how to talk about it, what to think. You know, I'd feel guilty for thinking one thing. And then I just, I was all over the board. Whereas I feel like after walking through that first miscarriage, then our second miscarriage, both my husband and I could kind of walk through it in a more healthy manner and kind of process and just have harder conversations that we were scared to have the first go round. Um, So I'm excited to see that the little bits I've seen, I think that's going to be a really good resource to have. It's awesome. Yeah. And that's, I think to have kind of a go-to because like you said, as you begin to open up about having experienced loss it almost feels like people come out of the woodwork. They do. Like sharing their stories from the past, but then also reaching out to you when it's happening because they're like, I need to talk to someone who can even come close to understanding what I'm feeling and what I'm trying to process. Yeah. So there's a song by um, Fernando Ortega, who's like my favorite musician. He's kind of a, I would say folk is kind of his genre. But anyway, there's a song that he sings um, called If You Were Mine. And Mm -hmm. I believe the song was actually written from the standpoint of like a failed adoption, like an adoption that fell through. But I will tell you to this day, almost eight years since we lost that first baby, there are times where, you know, I'll run to the store late at night to grab something and on my way home, I will turn that song on because it just, it speaks what my heart still feels. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a line in it that says, I will lead you home by your tiny hand. If you were mine, if you were mine. If you had a bad dream, I would jump inside it. I would fight for you with all the strength that I could find. If you were mine, if you were mine. And I don't know. Mm. It's one of those things, like you said, sometimes it's just, it shows up and it needs to be felt. And um that's sort of a resource for me that, you know, I will never be able to listen to or kind of think through that song without just taking a moment to kind of process and allow myself to feel all of the things that it brings up. Right. And it will. I think those due dates will be due dates you always remember and they'll always hold a special place. 
and it's it's part of our story. But it's yeah. it's so encouraging to know that there's a sisterhood out there that has walked through it too and can understand just the different stages of that loss. And that so many of us have experienced it and been right. equally flabbergasted by it and equally kind of disoriented and you know, our course is thrown way off because we're expecting one thing to happen. And then it is very definitely that door is slammed shut and, you know, we're kind of left to pick up the pieces. But um, to the core of my being, I believe that God is good. And I believe that whatever, you know, suffering or hardship is put in my path, that he, he will work it together for the good of not only me, but for the people that hopefully can be touched through, through my experience. I hope to be used for that because I think there's so much power in our stories. There's so much power in that moment, that me too moments, you know, those moments where you mm-hmm. can say, yes, that's how I felt. There's things that you've said to me in this conversation where I've been like, yes, that's exactly it. Like, I can't believe you felt that exact same way because, um, we're all the same and we're all different. And I just want to just make sure that I say that, at least for me, this is my perspective. This is my story. And it's coming from a place of, I want to bring help and hope. Um, there's nothing that I say that I, I hope it's not offending anyone or touching a tender spot. I just, I would like to empower anyone listening to know that your story matters. Your path matters. You you need to reach out. You need to share. Um, you need to get trusted people in your corner praying for you and mourning with you. And um, if anyone listening to this, because you probably will, have an opportunity to walk through loss with someone, whether it's your sister, your friend, maybe someone you know that's already experienced loss. I hope that maybe there's just little nuggets of things that can help because you know, that's, that's what we're here for. Psalm 139, 13 through 18. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and your books were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you.